Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode, we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses' overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body, and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling and husbandry or an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started. Hey team, Katie here from Equestrian Movement doing episode 8 of the first Juno Harm podcast. Today we are going to be talking about working with relaxation and swing. Relaxation and swing is one of those qualities that we're looking for in our riding that suggests that our horses are working with good soundness and um, good mental health, good body health, good emotional resilience to their experience in training and to their environment. So it's kind of one of those gold star standards that we're looking for when we're working our horse is that they are swinging through their body and not holding their body with brace or tension and that they're able to show relaxation. What we're looking for when we're talking about relaxation in our horses is a horse that we can ride actively forward without having to hold them back. So we're having to find where our horse's pace is too fast and where our horse's pace is too slow and finding out what that middle ground is. When they're working in that middle ground, they're moving forward uh, with forwardness and power, but they're moving forward with relaxation as well. So we're looking at ground coverage and not a short and choppy stride. Where this is a little bit tricky is when we start out with our green horses, they actually do work by pulling with the forehand, working hollow, driving out from the hindquarters and disengaging. So there's a whole process of complementing our lesson plans with different exercises to combine suppling and strengthening exercises that allow for them to build up range of movement through their top line so that they can work into contact and carry us without hollowing away from the weight of our body and our seat. The level of suppleness that our horses require to hold self-carriage and hold that working frame that we're looking for There's quite a lot of work involved in getting there. Our green horses do not have that level of suppleness. We develop range of movement through their back with our lateral exercises by riding circles and leg yields. 
and then um, you know alternating their frame down into long and low back up into working frame and using our rain backs encourages them to push against us give us a little bit of um, resistance into our seat so that they're actively carrying us and we're not just perched on top at best or that they're hollowing away from us and we're hurting their back at worst. This obviously has a lot to do with our own independent seat and being able to balance ourselves so that we're not hitting heavy, so that we're not balancing on our horse's mouth and finding that place where the two of us can integrate and movement and almost mold our bodies together. So before we even get into what the horse needs to be able to do to do this physically for us, we need to have them in a state of mental relaxation. Our horses cannot relax physically if they're mentally stressed. So this has a lot to do with how we take them through the breaking and the training process initially, and then how we translate that along like their career development. So if they're rushed through the breaking process, rushed through the training process, rushed into the competition scene, there is a really good chance that they're not emotionally coping with the experience and that they're not keeping up with understanding the riding cues that we're trying to train them to actually confidently be doing what we're asking of them. And this is the big key, right? If we want a horse that isn't shut down, is emotionally engaged in what we're asking, is learning from our cues and connecting with us so that we can you know, ask these more challenging asks of them, we need them to have uh, confidence in their job, what they've got to do, the aids in us, in their environment, in their experience, in that show situation, that competition scene. And even if it's not the competition scene, even if you're just wanting your horse to work with soundness, just that uh, mental relaxation that's required for a trail ride. You know, you're taking your horse into an unknown environment. There's always things that are going to scare them <laughs> on a trail ride. I don't think I've ever been on a trail ride that hasn't had something that is potentially terrifying to a horse that's spooky. Uh, for a lot of horses, just leaving the paddock that they live in is terrifying. So developing the emotional scope and the emotional resilience to maintain mental relaxation in these more challenging ridden experiences is a huge process in itself. And if you're just sending your horse to the breakers to get it broken in, this is not going to be done. A little bit of it will be, but only enough to make your horse rideable. Your horse needs a lot of time with you as their owner and building out their skills on the ground and in hand and um, building up their confidence in um, the aids in, in hand as well. If your horse understands how to find answers, then you can teach them the mouthing process pretty quickly. If they figure out that they can communicate to you through bit pressure, then it's not a huge extensive process. But if your horse does not yet have the skills to manage themselves emotionally and to 
find answers and to seek the release of pressure and to feel reward and excitement and willingness for learning and learning is fun for them this experience is very difficult for them and it does take a significant period of time a lot longer than them going to the breakers for six to eight weeks this is most commonly the situation that I find myself in with fixing my students' horses, is that the breaking and training process gets rushed and as a result there's significant gaps in the horses' learning, understanding of cues, way that they move physically for soundness and their emotional resilience. And so we end up having to revisit scenarios where the horse got shut down instead of being able to communicate its needs, where it didn't clearly get educated on how it's supposed to react to a cue and as a result it just became reactive instead of learning the aid and so doesn't truly understand the aid, just knows the right response to give. And then that can escalate into the bigger, more dangerous behaviours if you start these green horses with zero understanding of how to manage themselves emotionally, zero understanding of how to find the answer to cues, what aids are, and then you add to that trainers that don't understand how to mark behaviours and cue them in and at best and then sustain pressure even when the horse is trying and giving you effort no wonder our horses are just fried mentally because we need to be giving them a clear process of how to learn and how to find answers and we also need to be guiding them emotionally through this experience this is not what a breaker or a trainer does this is what our job as the horse owner is your breaker and trainer they cannot build an emotional connection with your horse if they did they would be very depressed because we're not in control of what happens to that horse after it leaves our hands and so you if you're doing breaking and training professionally and you have to make a living and an income from it you do have to you know just cue the buttons in and send them on the way and hope for the best so as the owner the responsibility is to build that relationship with the horse to guide it through its experiences emotionally to create positive learning environments and experiences for them so that they build confidence in themselves confidence in you and then we are creating long-term safe happy and healthy horses so what does your horse actually need for mental relaxation? Firstly, it needs to be pain-free. That is a huge one. We need to make sure the gear fits, the dentist's been out, the farrier is on top of things, the bodywork is good, the saddle fits. There's so many places that we can impact our horses with pain and that can trigger behavioural issues like rearing, bucking, bolting, biting, kicking, uh, you name it. Most of the things that I get called out for are pain-related problems that the horse has not been able to communicate effectively other than through lashing out and creating issues with that handling process. 
once we rule out pain related problems we need our horse to look to us for emotional support and guidance through difficult situations this is really important that we do it this way rather than dominance and submission based training if we go into an experience with our horses with the idea of 100% submission and we won't tolerate anything else we miss rewarding our horse for effort we miss when our horse doesn't understand what the answer is we miss when the horse can't give us the appropriate exercise or movement that we're asking for we miss our pain cues because we think our horse is being naughty and it just needs to be dominated into submission we miss so many vital aspects of the communication we miss the nuances of their unique personality that help us understand how best to work with them as an individual after we have a relationship with our horses where they can come to us for that emotional support through that training process they need to also understand how to find answers and they also have to enjoy learning if we want a horse that is engaged connected willing consenting and working with us making learning a chore making it tedious making it drilling basically drilling the exercises into them working them for perfection instead of effort makes them sour and gets to a point where they just don't want to be around us and that's your horse that you go into the paddock they see you coming and they hightail it to the other end it's because being around you is not fun because all you're doing is drilling 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 expecting things of them that they don't understand they can't do that isn't fun and that feels bad to their body once we have got them actively engaged connected working with us consenting we are establishing a securely attached horse that is confidently communicating its needs and wants and we can think about creating a relationship under saddle where they actually enjoy movement and this is you know our key goal a lot of my students find that once they ride this way they can't ride other horses because they feel like they're out of control and to be honest if you have a horse that is unconsenting of what you're asking it to do you really aren't in control and the only hope that you have is submission based training and hoping that they're res well not even respect you enough just are happy to submit to you know that ask from you so when you start working with a horse and you realize the potential for it to actually be cooperative, to actually enjoy you, what it looks like when a horse says no, you start trying to work a horse that's only been ridden for submission. You really find them very uncomfortable to ride because they're saying no to everything unless you use force. When we take our horses through this process of mental relaxation that haven't been through it before, we are giving them the opportunity to say no. And so they do say no a lot if they've never experienced that opportunity before. But we're empowering them and we're giving them a voice and we're letting them control what happens to them. So that when we do come around full circle and we've ruled out all of the potential issues that they're having, they actually do want to learn and they actually do want to ride and they actually do want to make us happy. And if you've never ridden a horse that feels like that, then there's a good chance that you've been riding shut down horses that are 
um, trained through submission-based training. Sorry about that. That is the truth. So a lot of the horses that I work with, particularly all the ones that I've broken in, what I'm looking for is that they actually get really excited when they figure something out. They give me like a chuff little, ooh, a little knicker, and you can feel them puffing themselves up with pride. And while people might think that that isn't something horses do, uh, it definitely is, but you can look for other things like your horse wanting to give you eye contact. If it won't look you in the eye, it doesn't want to work with you. Your horse wanting to approach you in the paddock, showing active signs of being relaxed and content around you and not rushing around with their knickers in a twist because they're worried about what you're going to do to them next. When we're talking about developing relaxation and swing, we're not talking about lunging them for 30 minutes until they're tired. We're not talking about driving them around around yard until they turn into us and hook on or you know we've run them into submission we're talking about a horse that is able to communicate its wants and its needs that has a strong securely attached relationship with us that is pain-free enjoys learning and enjoys moving so that in itself from you know completely unhandled horse really is like a six to 12 month process and from a horse that has been ridden for an extended period of time like how long has that horse been ridden like that for will depend on how much training you have to reverse how much you have to rewire their brain and depending on how bad their experience has been you may not ever get them to the point to the horse they could have been before the life happened to them before people happened to them but you can get them pretty close and those horses do tend to be appreciative of the effort that you put into them to give them a you know a happy riding career so once we work through the process of mental relaxation to develop consent connection that secure attached relationship willingness to look for answers enjoying learning willingness to move and enjoying movement we then need to actually work their body for relaxation. So in our training scale, we look for forwardness, engagement, throughness, and then into self-carriage. Forwardness and engagement develop relaxation and throughness and self-carriage develop swing. So what we're talking about are the individual components of the horse's body being able to move freely. When we first sit on their back, their back is very straight and tight and doesn't know how to carry a rider. And really like that initial period of time is a lot of cue training and building confidence in us being on their back. Because of the way that we sit on the back, we change where their center of gravity is. So they're very unbalanced initially and they have to learn how to move freely whilst carrying us and whilst we are also getting in their road with the bridle and our hands and the bit and the saddle. So that period of time is also <laughs> lengthy. Um, so there's no fast way through it. Once we start getting um, you know, our horse confidently moving forward and seeking connection and seeking conversation through the contact, whether you're bitless or with a bit, 
The next thing that you're looking for is that the horse is starting to step its hind legs into a position of weight bearing to be able to engage their posture. So we don't want our horses working strung out and hollow through the back. We want them transferring their weight into the hindquarters. When we start getting periods of both hindquarters stepping through evenly underneath them, they're able to lower their head and that's when we start to see that relaxation. So we need to have some level of engagement for our horse to be working in relaxation and seeking the contact. If our horse isn't stepping their hind legs through into a position of weight bearing, or what's more often seen is that they twist and they rotate the pelvis. So they're stepping one hind leg through properly, but they're driving out from the other. Because of the twist that it puts through their spine, they are actually carrying themselves with their chest and their shoulders and they're engaging their under neck for balance. And this is what we're talking about when we're talking about our horses being on the forehand is that all of their balance is distributed into their shoulders and because of the way that the vertebrae runs up the underneath of their neck, when their weight is on the forehand, they're engaging their underneck muscles. And so that's also where we see the hollowing, where their back is going to hollow away from our seat because their balance is in the shoulders and it's not um, lifting in into carry us. So transferring the weight onto the hindquarters, having the hindquarters step through, stepping through evenly um, with both hind legs allows for our horses to engage their core and engage their top line muscles so that they can then relax over their back and allows them to take their head down because they're no longer holding their balance and their weight in the forehand, they've transferred it into the hindquarters, they can now engage their back muscles or their top line muscles and that allows for them to put their head down without tripping over their front legs. When they've got their balance in the forehand, they can't put their head down without tripping over their feet. And so that's where we see lots of head tossing and horses that, um, you know, lift their head up or show resistance to the bit or run through the bit. We can also see a lot of bucking in this stage because the lower back gets tight if we've not done this well and they've got the rotation of the pelvis. So once we've got our horses stepping up into engagement equally from both hindquarters, then we can start um, engaging the core and engaging the top line. And so then we actually see throughness and extension of the shoulder. Because our horses are no longer weight bearing as much through the shoulders, because some of the weight is transferred into the hindquarters, we can now see that they use their back to lift and extend the shoulder. And then this is what creates the swing. So initially, when we start in creating engagement, we can see a little bit of swing through the hindquarters where they're starting to... So what we're kind of looking at is them 
centering their balance into their center of gravity and the stronger they get through their core and their back the more freedom of movement they have through their limbs so we're shortening and stacking their spine to lengthen their neck and to increase the range of movement through their hindquarters and through their shoulders and this translates into swing so we can see the tail gently swinging side to side within the rhythm of the pace. We can see the hindquarters tracking up evenly. We can see the shoulders um, lifting and extending evenly through both sides. They're seeking the contact, reaching out through to it. And then we can kind of take up a feel of their mouth to ask them more together to bring themselves into more self-courage or we can give the contact and they seek it or we can drop their mouths altogether and we can work them with that contact altogether. So the process of developing relaxation and swing, as you can see, is huge. It's not just, you know, what they need to do physically. It's not just, you know, developing submission to bit pressure so that they give to contact it's the mental relaxation that gets them into that state physically first and then it's the physical development that allows for their body to relax while you're you're working with a horse that doesn't know how to center its balance into its center of gravity it's going to brace and lock through its shoulders and its hindquarters for balance so that's really what, what we're trying to do. Um, and if any of you have ever done any exercise yourself, like yoga or weights, barbells, something like that, where you've had to engage your core and like even dance, center yourself into your center of gravity. Heck, horse riding is supposed to be able to do this as well. But if you haven't like experienced it in other places, it can make it hard to experience it in the saddle. But if you haven't experienced this idea of centering your your balance into your core and then as a result it increases your range of movement, this it will make it really tricky for you to understand this concept with the horses. The, one of the ways that we can get there is just by changing direction and changing pace a lot. So every time you know, you're changing direction, if you're doing it, frequently enough then you're asking your horse to change direction and so they're holding themselves in preparation for that change if you change pace and you change direction then your horse starts preparing itself for those changes and anticipating what's next and that's when they start to kind of hold themselves a little bit more together and so that's really what we're trying to achieve is we are asking our horses to hold themselves more together so that they're stacking their spine for straightness so that they're carrying us. This is the end game. They don't carry us in the paddock. They only carry us when we ask them to hold us so that we can ride. So if we want our horses to hold us when we're riding, we need to be riding them for soundness and not just faking it by pulling their head in. So with today's podcast, I'm going to be doing an additional bonus training where I'm working through this um, training scale that we have with a standard bred, Billy, because honestly, standard breds keep us honest. <laughs> You're not going to get away with... Um, Kind of fudging your way through it with standees because they find this work hard so in the process of doing this we 
are going to look at, um, you know, Billy working hollow. Uh, he has forwardness, but he really doesn't have relaxation and swing. And he is developing it now. The way that we get our horses to this point of working with relaxation and swing and working into contact so that we can ask them up into self-carriage is the way that we put our lesson plans together so that we are doing our best to perfectly complement our horse's need for suppleness and strength building work. Too supple, they become weak and the frame gets too deep and they cannot pull up the forehand. Uh, too strong, obviously, and we end up with them too hollow. So there's a very subtle and fine line to get relaxation and swing of the top line where they're actively seeking the contact, working into it, but we can also ask them more together without them tucking their nose behind the bit. And um, how we do that from a place of mental relaxation first. So if you are keen for getting that video, check out our website www.equestriummovement forward slash mental relaxation. So coming full circle, obviously this is a huge process which takes years to break down our understanding thoroughly and that's after we've learned how to ride and handle our horses effectively. So if you want the shortcut, I've put 15 years of me problem solving, troubleshooting and basically doing it wrong until I did it right into our membership Riding with Self Carriage and you can work your way through the step-by-step -step process, knowing that you're doing it thoroughly and clearly with your horse, not leaving any stone unturned, making sure there's no gaps in your horse's understanding and capabilities, and getting them to the point where they're strong, fit, mentally and physically sound, emotionally resilient horses, excited to work with you and join with you in movement in the art of riding. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast and want to take it to the next level, you need to check out our online membership for holistic horse riding. In our membership, we delve into the pillars of training that firstly develop mental relaxation so that our horses can learn new cues and work with relaxation and swing, but also how to develop forwardness, engagement, throughness, impulsion and self-carriage with straightness and balance. So if you're looking to ride your horse for soundness first and ribbons later, and you want your horse to work pain-free, enjoy movement, and ask to be ridden, check out our membership at www.equestriummovement.com forward slash riding for soundness.